I prepared for a 10 minute, 15 minute presentation, I just found out that we may have a little more time than that. As far as I'm concerned, that, that might be a good thing. I think that might even be good for you if I do my job right. So uh, we'll see what I can do. Um, I imagine that most people here have heard of OpenCourseWare. Anyone here not heard of OpenCourseWare? Um, if I had to describe it just at a really high level, OpenCourseWare um, is an open collection of, of university course materials licensed in a way that they can be freely accessed on the internet and um, derivative works can be created therefrom um, to help in the university experience. So it's open educational materials in a course structure currently provided by universities worldwide. So that's what OpenCourseWare is uh, all about. Um, it's important to understand that, that it's not just universities like MIT putting their courses up, but there are also significant institutions that have signed up to translate um, OpenCourseWare courses into multiple languages. So we have uh, those in Spanish and Portuguese, we have those in Chinese and Japanese, other languages as well. Um, so it's, it's not just the content, but the translations. Um, I was trying yesterday to think about how OpenCourseWare fits with the rest of the people in this room. <clears throat> because the truth is, there's a lot of people doing archives here, there's a lot of people doing digital libraries, um, there's a lot of content providers here. How does that really fit in with OpenCourseWare? Well, to be honest, um, you may not need us, but we need you for sure. And what I mean by that is, today when a professor builds a course, they build it um, under fair use. And so they don't really have to think about whether the stuff that they're using in their course violates intellectual property. Um, also, you could argue that maybe some of those courses aren't as exciting and as dynamic as they could be. And so if you think about the various archives, the various libraries, the various digital learning assets that many of you supply, um, if we could sort of bring those professors along to become aware of what you're providing, then they could incorporate your materials into their courses and not only make their courses better, have the students' learning experiences better, um, but also have you feel like your stuff is, is really making penetration into important areas. So I do think that there's synergy there. If we have a particular niche in the OER space, it's that um, we have a very targeted audience. You know, we're structured courses in a university setting um, where the learning objects are in context and in sequence. Because I'm sure many of you have been to learning repositories. I won't give any names, but you go there and you do a search because you're looking for stuff. And yeah, you can find 200,000 hits on a given search query. But is it usable? Is it good? You know, is it in context? How do you use it? You know, sometimes that's challenging. Um, but when it's professors who are professionals from credible institutions having specific needs for enrolled learners, that provides a forcing function for real value and for a target audience with specific needs. And so that's sort of, I'd say that might be some, some of the unique value proposition for what um, OpenCourseWare is trying to do. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, <clears throat> I used to think about how will I know if I've made a difference in the world? And this isn't a picture of me, this is a picture of my son Winston, because um, he's cuter than I was when I was a kid. Um, but as I think about OpenCourseWare, and I'm new and I'm not so new to the game, I've been doing OpenCourseWare for about two and a half years, but I, I come from Microsoft, I worked for seven years 
um, for Microsoft doing very fun and interesting things. But uh, after about seven years and maybe 12 years in the computer industry, I felt this real compelling need to see if I could throw my creative resources and talents towards something that I would feel might be a little bit more meaningful and a little more significant to the world. Um, so that's, that's why I left Microsoft and, um, and started uh, getting a PhD in instructional technology and trying to uh, figure out what my next step would be. And so I started doing open course for about two and a half years ago, but I just joined MIT um, a few months back as an employee. So I work for MIT now. Um, and, uh, and so as I think about open courseware, in some ways it's not my baby. In some ways it's something that other institutions have nurtured uh, as I was sort of in a marketing role. But, um, but there are many things about open courseware that really excite me. Um, if you give it a membership test, you know, who's involved? There's over 130 institutions worldwide involved. In Europe, in Japan, in China, um, a couple, you know, a few in Africa, several leading institutions in the United States. It's a growing movement. Um, it's a movement with legs. We just met in Santander, Spain, um, two, week, two or three weeks ago. Uh, had over 120 attendees at the conference from 70 or 80 institutions. It's, it's no longer just an MIT thing, even though many people associate MIT um, with OpenCourseWare, and that's not a bad thing. But MIT themselves would say, you know, we don't want OpenCourseWare to be just an MIT thing. Here's a list of all the consortium institutions. It's, it's almost so, uh, so expansive that you can't read it on a slide, and th this leaves out probably at least 10 to 20% of, of other people who have joined. If you give it a quality test, um, I'm impressed with the, with the institutions that are, that are engaged. MIT is certainly impressive. Tufts and Johns Hopkins, Notre Dame, top universities in China, Japan, Spain, France, New Zealand. There are other schools of, of major note, some of them here, like University of uh, California, Berkeley, that are in the process of, uh, of joining up with the consortium. Um, there are others as well uh, who are in the works but um, want to make that official in their own way. And so I think that, um, that we have a, a strong footing in terms of quality. If you look at the intercontinental test, everyone wants to do something international, right? Over 20 countries are involved. You know, there's a map of, of the number of schools and sort of where they break out geographically. It's clear that we need to do some work in Central and South America. It's clear that we need to do some work in Africa. Um, it's clear that we need to think not just uh, supply side, but also demand side and be demand driven. But we're clearly um, spanning the globe, dotting the globe uh, with open courseware. We're now in over 10 languages. There's open courseware content in, in over 10 languages. Chinese, Japanese, Spanish, Portuguese, Thai, Vietnamese, etc. Um, you know, this is old, but we're getting over two and a half uh, million visits per month to the various open courseware sites. So some critical mass really is starting to build. Um, and the blue represents actual original content and the red represents the translation affiliates. Uh, if you look at the number of courses, we're now up to 5,000 plus. This, this again, this, this slide hasn't been updated. Um, and it used to be that MIT's courses dwarfed the number of courses outside of MIT, but now there are more non-MIT open coursework courses than MIT courses, which is also an important milestone. If you look at the PR test, just over the past few months, 
We've been featured on National Public Radio. We've been featured on Marketplace. We've had a Wall Street Journal article. We've been in the Christian Science Monitor. Um, a, lot, a lot of international press. I can't keep up with all, the, with all the press. People are excited about what you're all here to do, open educational resources. It's, it's, um, it's very exciting. Um, and so we, we passed the PR test. And, uh, and there's even the man on the street test. And what that is is I like to know that something that I'm doing sort of reaches the average person that I might meet. I was at a party on Sunday. That's a picture of me in the top right here in New York City with some people I'd never met before. And this guy down here in the green shirt, his name's Daniel Bartholomew. And, um, you know, he stopped me. And he said, John, what do you do? Because we've never talked about it. And I said, oh, I do this thing called open courseware. And he goes, you do open courseware? I go, yeah, 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 it's kind of cool. He goes, wow. He goes, no, you do open courseware? Are you serious? I, I heard about that in NPR. I was like, oh, well, good. And he wouldn't let it go. You know, he wants to set up a meeting with me next week where he can talk to me about it. And he's just some guy doing computer stuff somewhere. So it's starting to penetrate people's hearts and minds. The vision of sharing learning, unlocking the knowledge so that people who can't afford to enroll in a university or who want to supplement their university experience or a professor that wants to improve their course, open and unlocking that learning so that others can benefit from it. That's what OpenCourseWare is about. And once my mom says, oh, my son's part of OpenCourseWare, you know, I'll know that I'll, I will have done something cool. She's not there yet. I have to keep telling every six months. Now, what do you do again? Okay, let me, let me explain it to you. If you do the Google test, I was in Spain, I was in Spain a couple weeks ago, and uh, I went ahead and Googled David Beckham to see how many Google hits David Beckham would return. And he returned about three million hits in Google. So I did the same thing with uh, OpenCourseWare. It was about 2.7. So basically, we passed the David Beckham test, <laughs> you know, which is that OpenCourseWare is somewhat reached the status of David Beckham. That's not bad. I mean, I have higher aspirations. You know, should it be Britney Spears or what? What should it be? Jessica Simpson? No. Um, but, but probably the most important test of all for OpenCourseWare is the human test. You know, are we, are we really helping people? Um, this, this, this fellow's name is Rogelio Morales. Um, he's from Venezuela. And Rogelio uh, found out about OpenCourseWare a year and a half ago, a year, year and a half ago. And he, he's studying scuba diving engineering. So, he loves scuba diving, he loves underwater welding, and he loves engineering. And um, he was up on Google one day trying to uh, learn more about his discipline. So he Googles his discipline and he, and he finds OpenCourseWare. And he goes to it and he finds a couple courses from MIT that really help him in his job. <clears throat> so he calls, uh, he sends an email to the people at MIT, Steve Carson. Steve Carson emails him back and he's like, I can't believe MIT is actually having a conversation with me when I'm in Venezuela. And he gets so excited that he, that he pays for his own flight to fly to MIT just to learn more about what OpenCourseWare is doing. This isn't a professor. You know, this guy's single. He's a bachelor. He's, he's just out of school. But he's just so excited about OpenCourseWare that he'll fly to MIT to learn more. We had this conference in Spain, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago. He put his plane ticket on his credit card so that he could attend the OpenCourseWare conference. That's, that's how much he believes in what's going on. So if... If people are willing to make sacrifices for something uh, and they're doing it from their heart, 
to me, that says that we're, we're doing something that's significant, that has traction, that's maybe even a little more important than, um, than the David Beckham test. This is a man named Lucifer Chu. Now, I've never met someone named Lucifer before. Have any of you ever heard of Luke Chu? Anybody? Luke Chu um, is from Taiwan. Luke Chu is into um, fantasy literature, and he had the idea to translate the Lord of the Rings trilogy into Chinese. So he went to publishers in Taiwan or wherever he went, and he said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll, I'll translate Lord of the Rings into Chinese, and, you don't, and, and I'll give that to you, and you don't have to pay me a penny until we've sold over 100,000 copies. But once we sold over 100,000 copies, you gotta take care of them. And they, they uh, pulled the trigger, they did the deal, and he became a millionaire. Now, after he became a millionaire, and he's an eccentric guy, as you can see. <laughs> after he became a millionaire, Luke Chu looked around and he said, what can I do to give back? He found out about what MIT was doing with OpenCourseWare, and he created his own organization called OOPS. And what OOPS does is it translates OpenCourseWare courses into Chinese so that the Chinese people can benefit from them. He has a volunteer force of hundreds of people. He's bankrolling with his own funds for the seed organization but he has hundreds of volunteers <coughs> translating hundreds of courses into Chinese because that's what he believes is the best way he can give back to the people that have been so good to him. And I'm not, you know, making this up. And so, you know, for me, you know, that helps me feel like we're passing the human thing. <coughs> Maybe the most inspirational story of all is my friend Mahmoud. Mahmoud I met in Spain just two weeks ago and I just happened to sit next to him at a dinner I was talking to Mahmoud. Mahmoud's from Iran, and he's of the Baha'i faith. And if any of you know about the Baha'i faith in Iran, Iran isn't the best place to be Baha'i, necessarily. Um, Mahmoud went to MIT back um, in the 70s as a, as a to study to be a nuclear engineer. And then when the revolution happened in Iran, um, he had a chance to flee the country because, you know, the revolution wasn't one that sort of made the Baha'is feel like they, they had a, a safe future. And I asked him, why didn't you leave when you had the chance? And he said, I, I'm not gonna abandon my people. He said, I, I can go make some small difference somewhere else in some part of the world, be some professor somewhere or go help on some nuclear project. But where can I make the biggest difference? I can make the biggest difference staying and helping my Baha'i people that are in my neighborhood, that are in my city, that are in my region. So he stayed. Um, and over time, it got to the point where people of the Baha'i faith couldn't be accepted into universities in Iran. Because as Jonah mentioned to me yesterday, they had to renounce, I think they have to do something like renounce their religion to then be able to attend the universities and sign some type of oath. I don't know the details there. But what I do know is that Mahmoud and, and many of his professional friends started a university for Baha'i students that were disenfranchised. And um, these students have gone on to the top universities in Europe. Um, but it has a volunteer force of professors. And when these volunteer professors needed a place to go to find curriculum to help them build their courses, 
Guess where they turn? Open courseware. So he's willing to get a visa, fund himself out of his own pocket to come to Spain to learn more about how he can work with other groups to learn how to do open courseware to benefit not only himself, but for Baha'is that are around the world. So um, again, I don't mean to be schmaltzy, but um, for me, it's passing the human test. And this is something I just saw yesterday. <laughs> Forgive the small text. This happens also come from Iran, and that wasn't planned. But it was so moving to me that I had to include the text. And I didn't edit it for spelling, so you can know this is authentic. Online courses are the greatest ever worldwide educational revel revelation ever happened in the human history of civilization. This is um, Major Kivan Nurgagi, the Iranian senior fighter pilot. God know when last week I became aware of such great effort by MIT, I could not stop falling off my tears. This is what Americans are, and the world must learn, not those silly wars. I love to present a gift to OpenCourseWare, and I wish to learn the correct mailing address in the name of person responsible in receiving gifts for OpenCourseWare. Thank you very much for your great works. I know how hard it is and how much times really have been invested in such huge services to all human beings around the world with no prejudice in access to education. Now, I'm not here to tell you that OpenCourseWare is going to save the world, right? But it, it clearly is, is changing some hearts and minds. And it's not a US-based initiative, though I think that every nation has something to gain by collaborating on something that benefits all, sort of the rising tide lifts all ships. So for me, um, open courseware passes the human test, at least in its initial inceptions. And I was trying to think about how to just cap, because the rest of this presentation is a little bit more maybe critical. So the, the best metaphor I could come for open courseware is a picture of my daughter Clara. She's my third. She's my third child. I don't love her any more than the than the others. Um, but I picked her because of her age. She's, she's six years old. She learned to read when she was four. For some of you, that won't be remarkable. We were really excited about that. Um, and when I think about Clara, how do I feel? You know, she makes me happy. She makes me smile. I couldn't be prouder of what she's accomplished. Um, I, I think she's an amazing sort of spirit in this world. And that's how I feel about OpenCourseWare. I love it. Uh, it makes me smile. And I do think it's absolutely incredible. But when I think about my daughter Clara, you know, is that it for her? Is that sort of all she's ever going to be? Or is there going to be more to her story? You know, I think about what's high school going to be like? What friends is she going to choose? Where is she going to go to college? You know, is she going to get married? Is she going to have a family? Is she going to be an executive professor? You know, I have all sorts of dreams and aspirations. And just like uh, Clara, OpenCourseWare is very young and it has so much to do, but the potential is really great. And so, um, so instead of calling this challenges or obstacles, I decided to call it opportunities for growth. But you could take that as a euphemism or you could take it on face value. Here's a quick sort of discussion of the challenges for OpenCourseWare and where I might need your help and where we might be able to work together. Um, and as we try and help OpenCourseWare succeed, here are some of the biggest obstacles. Um, for professors, openness, and for universities, is just a major paradigm shift. I mean, it's like trying to convince someone that the sun is made of cheese. It's, you want me to do what? You want me 
the visceral reaction is, oh yeah, share? Absolutely, I'm, where do I sign up? It's like, hey, I've got 200 things on my list of to-dos, and here are 200 more. You know, that's sometimes the reaction we get, especially when, when the funding comes from their own pocket. It's one thing if they have a grant. It's another thing if this is something they have to do, you know, in addition to their day job. So with Creative Commons, with, with, with you guys, we have to find a way strategically to sort of change the culture to where people think openly, where people build the courses with openness from the beginning. Because open courseware can't be an afterthought. You can't like build your course, do the thing you've been doing for 20 years, and then come to them after that's been done and say, okay, now pull out everything that violates intellectual property, replace it all with things that you can go hunt and find that don't, and then serve it up on a completely different server so that you have to maintain your course in two places and have two versions of your course, not just one course, but the four courses you teach. I mean, I don't know that that's scalable. And so we have to, it has to become a value, just like uh, recycling has become a value, just like commuting to work so that you don't all drive individual cars become a value for many people. Openness has to become the instinct that we need. This is where we need to band together so that each of us in our in the conferences we present to, in the papers we write, in the blogs that we do, you know, we're always promoting the culture of openness in addition to, you know, Joan was wearing a t-shirt yesterday. What did it say? Uh, I love to share. I love to share. Is that kind of what makes you wear a shirt like that? No, Jonah's a, <laughs> Jonah's a prophet for me. Um, you know, second issue we have for open courseware is managing growth and maintaining quality. Yeah, there's lots of schools who want to jump on the open courseware bandwagon, but many of them want to be associated with MIT or, you know, top schools. They want to sort of piggyback the PR wave. But if you just open it up to anybody, you want to be open, but if you open it up to anybody, sometimes you, you, can, um, you can have quality challenges. So that's something that we have to do. It's hard to recruit top US universities. A lot of top international universities want the association and, and believe in what we're doing. But you know, every university has pride. They want to, you know, want to do their own thing. And so when they see, for example, MIT leading with something that they've gotten a lot of the credit for, do they want to sort of be seen as a follower? You know, that's sometimes something that we that we that we run up against. And and in some ways I'm just guessing that sometimes people think about that. Um, but it makes sense to me. Um, so we do have to move it into something that everyone feels like they can uh, derive benefit from and be a, a significant part of. Is open courseware too expensive? I mean, if you think about the process, it can cost up to $30,000 per course. And that's a course with existing material, an existing course, right? But imagine the expense of you've done this big multimedia thing, maybe. You've got syllabus, you got lecture notes, you've got all your PowerPoints. And all of a sudden, you have to take the time to go back in, think about every picture, every sound file, every little you know, formula that you used. Was this mine, or did I steal it from somewhere? If I stole it from somewhere, where did I get it from? If I'm going to yank it out, what do I replace it with? And then you've got to build it all back together again, like a Frankenstein, and then put it up somewhere. Where do you put it? So it turns out, that has been somewhat expensive in the past. In fact, um, sometimes it's cheaper to build something completely from scratch than 
So intellectual property, fair use, uh, rich content's all, all an issue. And then, um, you know, the brand is, is something that I think about a lot. Right now, when people think OpenCourseWare, they think course materials, right? When I was at Microsoft and I heard about OpenCourseWare, I'm like, sweet, I'm gonna go learn something cool. So I go to MIT's site and I type in some subjects I'm interested in, and then I see a syllabus and some lecture notes, and I'm thinking, where's the video, you know? That's what I was thinking, right? And I didn't understand what their mission was and what their goal was. But there are a lot of people, you know, I say, oh, you've got a cool online course, join Open course, join open course where they say to me, well, I'm, I'm more focused on learning. You know, you're kind of just putting course materials out there, but my emphasis is learning, so I don't, I'm not sure I want to be associated with OpenCourseWare. So, do we keep OpenCourseWare as it's currently understood and try and just really do it well, or do we try and expand it and maybe help grow people's understanding of what it means? It's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, and then, how do we tap student excitement? Students can become an incredibly powerful resource. If you think about the civil rights movement in the United States, right? Students were integral to that being successful. You can get students excited about stuff and, and, and leverage that asset of energy and of talent, but how do you do that? So as I think about why I'm here today, one of the questions I ask is, is richer content, like multimedia, sort of the secret sauce to OpenCourseWare really taking off? Or is it some burden? You could argue that OpenCourseWare is expensive enough as it is. Try and ask teachers to do it in rich multimedia format. I mean, you're just sort of throwing extra bricks on the backpack, you know? Um, so that's, that's sort of what I'd love to brainstorm with you, guys, with you guys about. So about the video, just quickly what we're doing. I, I asked all the OpenCourseWares to tell me what they've been doing with video. MIT has about 21 out of 1,650 courses. How many, what's the course count now? 1,674. 1674. MIT's got about 21 courses with full lecture videos, 30 with exemplary lectures, 20 with faculty introduction videos, 50 with special video for about 700 total hours of video. Um, uh, out of about, yeah, somewhere in 1650. So um, that's exciting. I mean, a lot of people have no idea that actually MIT OpenCourseWare runs the gamut from super rich courses to sort of the bare bones. Um, but that does represent a small subset of their total course catalog, and that's by design for them. So it's not, it's just um, where they are. Open University of the UK is another major OpenCourseWare partner. Um, they have, you know, these, these types of numbers. And that, uh, that's a typo. They don't have 1650 courses at all, Open University of the UK. Now, when I was um, a grad student at Utah State University, um, I was aspiring more for OpenCourseWare. So in a, graduate, in, a, in a graduate level class I had instructional technology, I said, I'm gonna create a multimedia experience in OpenCourseWare as a grad student. And I had a couple of, we, we did a project as a group for a class assignment, and we just decided we were gonna record um, the, professors, the, the lectures of a professor. This professor is Dr. Rich Lee Crapo. Um, he wrote the book um, on uh, cultural uh, anthropology of religion, uh, major publisher. He's one of the world leaders in anthropology of religion. You wouldn't think that at a, at a university maybe like Utah State. You might think agriculture, or you may not think Utah State at all. Um, but that's what, <clears throat> that's what he does. And so um, 
So what I did is I just, I went to Dr. Crapo and I said, we want to film, we want to film you. Um, we want, you know, you're, you're, you're coming close to graduation. You've spent your life, um, you've spent your life building the, these sets of lectures. And um, when you retire, your life's work's going to retire with you. Who's going to know? Who's going to know the great stories you can tell? Who's going to know the great concepts that you can convey? It's going it's to get shelved. So are you doing things to ensure long-term preservation of history? Yeah, let's, let's get to that. I'll, 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 be, I'll be very quick. So, so here we are in anthropology now. And, and so what I did is I cut a deal with them. I said, look, give me 10 hours of your time over two months. I'll show up. I, I got this little prosumer little camera. I'll show up in your conference room, and I'll just spend an hour, and you just do. Do your thing. Do your thing. It's not in class. Um, there, there isn't a lot of pressure. It's very low production. Um, but basically, I just had him sit down, and, and I said, do your thing. And so I filmed him. And then as a grad student, I used the rest of the semester to edit down the video. I did it all myself using a Mac. Um, and, I, and I broke it out in little five-minute chunks so that the metadata could be, could be leveraged um, and it could be searched upon by topic. You know, and this was the experience that I was able to come up with. It's not earth-shattering. It's not, uh, you know, Ken Burns. There's no Ken Burns effect here. I don't even know what you want. The question of what religion is since the 1800s. Um, so it's been an issue that's been around for a long, long time now. And the big problem is that religion is so extremely diverse that it uh, leaves us often relying on our intuition. And, and to be honest, I think, I think this is a better experience than what the students get in the classroom because it was like a conversation. You know, I'm like talking to him, asking him to follow up. He sees my facial expressions and he's not like thinking he has to be all didactic, right? Did you have a quick comment? Good for you. What do you mean? Yeah. So anyway, um, so that's what I did, and and I, you know, I'm proud of that little thing, and, and it cost. I, I sort of figured out what my time would have been, and you know, it was a few thousand dollars is what it would have costed, um, if you had to pay for it. But are there graduate students or undergraduate students who could maybe get a three hours worth of credit to produce a course and work more directly with the professor, and then you wouldn't have to pay them? So I'm thinking, how do we make open courseware more affordable? and richer at the same time. And maybe have students benefit and professors. So those are some of the things that, that I was thinking about. And, um, and so that's one small example of some of the brainstorming we might do um, together and, and where we might need some of your help. So, so just to summarize, what do we need? We need openness as an instinctive value. Um, we need to bring on more quality institutions. Worst case Western, are they still here? I mean. What you guys are doing seems so, we, there's so much we could learn from you, and maybe we could help you and, and you know, help you promote what you're doing, bring your university more recognition. I mean, because you probably know this better than I, there's a lot of people who have no idea who Case Western is or what they do or where they are. I mean, I'm from Texas and I've never heard of them. So, you know, maybe we could drive your institution more awareness through a link on our OpenCourseWare portal. 
maybe the departments where you're really a specialty, we could build awareness so that they could sort of move up in the rankings. Uh, maybe the professors who are trying to get tenure could all of a sudden get uh, a quote in the Wall Street Journal and a quote in the Christian Science Monitor that sort of allows them to get more visibility. And over time, you know, we could provide you enough of a benefit to where you would want to join and, 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 and um, we might be able to, you know, you might be able to help us as well. So how do we keep bringing on quality institutions? How do we refine the value proposition by lowering the cost um, and still in increasing the impact of the, co impact of the course content? Um, and, and so for me, this man on the street test is sort of inadequate. Instead of saying, dude, open courseware is an amazing idea, the, the way that I think of open courseware becoming sustainable is if people start saying things like, you know, and this is going to sound melodramatic, but dude, I got off welfare in part because of open courseware, right? Because he was able to take, learn, apply it, help him get a better job. That would be something that would start to sort of command people's commitment for resources. Or, you know, dude, I got an A or even a PhD as a university student because I was able to use your course to help me in my learning experience. Or let's say it's a professor. He's probably not going to say dude, but he may say John. You know, I got tenure in part because of open coursework. Or Mr. Dillon, my department moved up in the U.S. News and World Report rankings in part because of open coursework. And so just, the, you know, the final question I had is, is multimedia an important ingredient to open coursework's future success? Maybe so, maybe not. And if so, who in this room can we partner with to help make that successful? Maybe we can drive your content further. Maybe your university can, can, become, can become a part of it. Maybe not. So that we can go from how will we know if I've made a difference to the wise old man saying, wow, you know, I was a part of that whole OER, OTW thing. Reflecting back on my life. So with that.